0: Passionate listeners, welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for watching or listening wherever you are in the world. I've got a very exciting guest. His name is Dr. Jeff Speece. Dr. Jeff Speece has been recognized as a leader in the field of -of end-of-life care. Jeff has spent his medical career with people facing serious illness and death first as an oncologist, then as a hospice physician. Dr Spees believes that if we honestly face our mortality, we will make wiser decisions, die with less distress and live the remainder of our lives, whether days or decades more fully and with less anxiety. Jeff is the author of Dying With Ease, a compassionate guide for making wiser end-of-life decisions. It contains the practical nuts-and-bolts information about advanced care planning, hospice palliative care, and ethical and legal issues surrounding dying in America. His writing provides information and inspiration, challenging readers to honestly encounter their own mortality, to to both die better and live more fully. Can't wait to dive into this. I didn't say die. dive. This is his yes. story and this is his passion. <laughs> Jeff, welcome to Passion Harvest.
1: Thank you, Louisa. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Thank you here. so much. And I can't wait to um, hear about all your experiences and, and your knowledge because I, I guess it's going to happen to all of us one day. Um, how, do, how can one plan for the last part of their life?
1: Well, there's some parts that you can't plan for. The, the uh, sometimes things happen that are out of your, your um, control. Uh, but, but the, the most important thing for planning for one's, the last part of one's life is to recognize that you're going to do it. To recognize that you are mortal, and you will die and nobody gets out of here alive. That's just the way it is. The most common cause of death is being alive. Uh, so <laughs> so it's, it's, it's gonna happen. And so there are, there are several parts of that planning some of them are things that people have been doing forever, you know, deciding who gets what, doing your estate plan, your wills, unless you want to look down on, on the, your family and watch them fight later. That's, that's I guess, might be fun. Yeah. Um, but But in addition, to think about what kinds of medical care you might or might not want to receive, and I know that's a little hard to think about when you're in your... Uh, 40s and healthy. Um, but it is, it is true. If you get in a situation where you're unable to speak for yourself, what kinds of messages would you like to convey to those who will be caring for you at that time? So whether that's done, and, and I know you have an international audience in the, in the U.S., this is mainly done with uh, documents we call advanced directives, living wills, uh, healthcare proxies, healthcare power of attorneys. Uh, but the most important piece of that is to have the conversation. If you name someone as to speak for you, if you're unable to speak for yourself, they ought to know you because their job is to make choices and make recommendations that you would want, not what they would want or what sounds good at the time. So um, the the uh, doing those little pieces, the legal planning, think about what you want your funeral to look like, um, or if you don't want to have one, if you pay for it and plan it ahead of time, your kids will love you. It's a good good thing, Uh, the more you can do is good. But the most important thing is, know that you're going to go through it, think about what you might want that time to be like, and Make the appropriate plans for it. Mm. Um, in in the U.S. and in most developed countries, most people die after a period of declining health, worsening disease, increasing frailty. So you can see it coming. Uh, the the uh, there are warnings to say, you know, you need to get your stuff together here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I honestly take my hat off to you you know, working in a lot of hospices. How do you do it and not become so emotionally attached or take it well, home with you?
1: Well, as far as emotional attachment, sometimes sometimes you get a connection. It, it happens. It's, you know, working with the dying is a very human experience. And um, that professional, personal boundary it's, it's just got, you just have to know. And I found it within myself. My wife might tell you that, yeah, I did bring it home with me sometimes and that wasn't okay. But usually what I brought home wasn't that part. What I brought home was system frustration or that I couldn't stand what my boss was doing, you know, and that kind of stuff. That's what brought, what I brought home the administration stuff that every organization has, and that's just the way it is. But the what happened at the bedside actually fed me. It, w- it, was, it, was, it was vital for me. And that was my passion. My passion in this care is relief of suffering. That That there is no reason that people need to suffer. Sometimes, Suffering happens and there's just nothing you can do about it. Physical but suffering. My passion in my career was to do everything I could possibly do to, to relieve that. I'm sorry I interrupted you. There. No,
0: I'm sorry I interrupted you. You're referring to the physical suffering. What about the emotional suffering?
1: Actually, I, I don't think suffering is a physical. Okay. Let, let me, if, if, if you don't mind, let me use, give you a little example that, I, that, I, that I, I use. And I don't know if it works, but most people seem to understand it. So to imagine two women, both laying in hospital beds, swollen abdomens, intermittently having cramping, horrible pain that causes them to scream out, dear God, make it stop one of those women has advanced ovarian cancer that spread throughout her abdomen and with each little gas bubble that goes through she gets a just you know what a, that horrible gas pain feels like that is just agonizing and each one of those pains reminds her that she is dying the other woman is giving birth to her first child and each one of those horrible pains, reminds her that she is just that much closer to holding her infant. So the pains are the same, but the meaning is totally different. And are both suffering? Probably, but, the, but they're suffering in very, very different ways. Um, I think suffering really is, is largely emotional, spiritual, interpersonal, you know, relationship, I often think that healing of suffering involves healing those relationships with each other, with the transcendent, and with myself. And that that is the how suffering can be relieved. Relieving the pain, making people not wretched and throw up, making people less short of breath, allows healing of the suffering. It's necessary, but not enough.
0: Leading on to that if someone is dying, or someone's family member, and, and and sorry, I, I'm diverging and digressing here, um, but I think it's quite important. If someone is dying, or a family member, how can they alleviate their suffering?
1: I've never seen it on a bumper sticker because it would never. Do you have bumper stickers in Australia? Yes, we do. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Um, uh, the um, uh, there's a little bumper sticker thing that. Well, anyway, that says, don't just do something, sit there. And that's the answer for relief of suffering. Relief of suffering is presence, not doing something. The the number of family members or visitors are going to say, I don't know what to say. Well, you don't need to say anything. You know, just be present and allow um, and listen and and remember that it's not about you. That when grandma starts to talk about something that seems uncomfortable, let her talk. Don't say, you shouldn't feel that way. Because someone who is suffering and finally risks the um, wanting to tell you how they are feeling and is told, you can't think that way. You need to feel better. You need to look on the, the sunny side or whatever. What you've done is you've added to the suffering because you've rejected them. You, the, you've rejected their their um, approaching you with, with something that's that's important to them, and so you've added a layer of loneliness uh, to the to their suffering. Um, so you know the the word compassion is is key here. Compassion means to suffer with. And to sit and listen is a way of suffering because suffering that is shared is suffering that is lessened uh, well, because lovely. you're not having to hold it up all by yourself. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a really lovely way um, to express it. What's, what's all this, what, what, what's dying taught you about life?
1: Oh yes, absolutely. Um, dying. Um, the, those who are dying often say, I, I finally figured this out. Or maybe they don't say it exactly that way. But I've heard it so often that learning how to die is learning how to live. Because you've got, you, you can risk, you've got nothing to lose. You don't have to worry about, you know, if you got your makeup right, or you don't have to be afraid of, of what someone else will think of you because you're going to be gone, you know. You're the star now. The number of people who who um, recognized that what was more important than being the person that they always thought they were was calling their son that what they were estranged from and apologizing, or or um, um, going down that religion spirituality road that they've been rejecting for so long because of the pain of something that happened when they were a kid um, and that dying teaches people what's most important what is most essential um, there's a um and there yeah one way to one way to to think about this and I will um, uh a quote from someone I, I respect a lot, uh, Dr. Ira Byock, who wrote a book back in the 90s. He called it uh, Dying Well. It was, it was mildly, it was somewhat similar to, to, to my work, but, but he identified work of the dying. And he said, the way he, the, he constructed this is that there were five tasks, tasks that a dying person needed to accomplish and he put those in in the sense of statements that need to be made by the dying person to someone else and these were forgive me i forgive you i love you thank you and goodbye and if you is whenever i hear those little snippets, my brain immediately goes to the person that I need to say that to.
0: Mm.
1: Or the person that if I knew I was not going to be here a month from now, um, I would need to say that to. And that, that says two things. One is that if you if you're, if you're going to do those things and have that and the experience, the healing that happens with them, you need time and energy to do it. And when you're in your last days of life, you don't have time. You don't have energy. So you need to do it earlier. And then, of course, the lesson is, well, why wait till you're dying? Yes. Heal that relationship and say those things now, because then you've got 30 years of, of uh, or however many of, of uh, life that is better. That is a little more whole. That is a little
0: more whole. And you often, do you often, do you take this approach in your own life? Not Do it while you're living and not wait, wait till the end? You don't want um, regrets?
1: Um, again, my wife would probably say uh, not as much as I should. <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm as good at procrastinating and not doing it as anybody else is. But I do I I, uh, yes yes I do try and focus on those things and focus on um, living yes yeah that's the point
0: I I often find and and myself included if someone has passed away or someone a a family member what what do you say do you just I mean is sorry enough I'm sorry I, I don't know the other words to say
1: uh, that's probably as good as anything. Okay. I'm sorry for your loss and then just see what happens. And when something has just happened, um, I'm I'm not a grief specialist. I usually mm-hmm. refer those questions to the bereavement counselors and things, but but right afterwards, that's all you need to say because that's really all they can hear. Um there's stuff to go through the 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 real feeling real feelings the the deeper feelings happen later uh right afterwards it's like i just gotta what i gotta get the stuff done we gotta get through the funeral we gotta get through the wake. we gotta do through the stuff i got all the family here um you know including my cousin that i hate and um (laughs) so that's just you know, the life is getting in the way. The feelings happen later. They often, uh, the the grief bereavement people say that, you know, that, that first little bit of time is, that's not when it hurts. It hurts. It hurts later. Um, When you, when you uh, realize that, geez, he's not there. I thought he, he, I thought he was there, not there. Um, so presence and checking in occasionally is what is what to do if you have that relationship with someone yeah. that, you can do, that you can do that. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't force yourself on them, but yes, yes.
0: Yeah, that's just a nice, simple way to put it. Um, I know you also talk about what does it what does it feel like to die.
1: Yeah, yeah, and of course I don't know. I've never done it. Um, <laughs> or you don't remember. Uh, Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Okay. We can go down that <laughs> theology road. You know, maybe I do you know, I don't remember, but I don't remember being born either. No. Um, and so I don't know what that feels like. Excuse me. If I'm waving my hands, there's a little nap that seems to be enjoying okay. his space right in front of my, right in front of my face here. <laughs> um, um, so I, I, there are some, there are some great images, um, uh, that I've, I've, I've quoted, I probably won't get the quotes quite right. Um, but of course, none of us know. Where do we find that out? Um, well, the, the, the near-death experiences, uh, I believe I, I saw on some, some of your information, you've interviewed people mm-hmm. uh, who have either experienced or, or studied this like uh, Raymond yes. Moody and people like that. And those are fascinating. I don't know what they mean because there's enough of the scientist in me that I have to say, I don't know exactly what it means, but the stories mean something and say that, and most people who go through those don't describe it as a negative experience. They tend to describe it as a positive experience and uh, often saying they didn't want to come back. So it makes me think that that's kind of okay. Um, the, um, but I, I think that the more, the, the more answerable question maybe isn't what does it feel like to, to go through death? Because that's a harder one to get at. Mm -hmm. But one that I think can inform our living a little better is what does it feel like to be that dying person to go through that period of time? And, um, one way to, to learn that, I've learned a lot of, of that by just watching people do it, but there's so many individuals yes. that, that there's few patterns. But there's an, um, one, one thing that a lot of um, hospice uh, social workers and chaplains have done is to, in various ways, go through an experiential exercise with people, not the dying one, but is in in trying to figure, answer this question, in which you take the person from health to finding that lump, and then the progressive losses that happen until dying. And I adapted this in, in my book. I hope it works in written format. I've only ever done it before in, in verbal format, but but that is one thing that we do have in common uh, with the dying, is even though we haven't died, we have all lost over and over and over. Some people describe losing things or losing people as little deaths. Um, but one thing that is true about dying is that you lose everything. You lose everything that you know, yes. at least as a, as a living Homo sapiens, you lose everything, and that is is a th- to go through the idea of step by step losing um, my peace of mind, to losing my ability to get around well, to losing my con- continence, to losing my consciousness. Uh, those those are those are important things to it's a good they're poignant poignant things to 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 think about what that might feel like and i think that that the first time i went through that experience as a participant with a with a uh someone else leading the session it it was mind-blowing to me that's really what i i recognized yeah this is this is me i i don't know if it if it's true that i i hope this is true um few weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, it was a few days after i had had a possible exposure. You know, well, I'd been at an airport. Okay. okay. So a, a few, so, um, and I woke up in the middle of the night, high spiking fevers, sweats, chills, felt awful sicker than I have felt in forever. And I thought, "Oh, okay, here we go. I mean, you know, this is this is COVID until proven otherwise and, uh, and things like that. So I'm laying there. What's going through my head was things I didn't plan. So that's my procrastination. Gee, my wife doesn't know how to do the financial stuff. You know, I never did get around to, to doing that uh, planning. You've, that
0: you've written the book about it. You should be doing this stuff. <laughs> I know this,
1: I know this, I know this. But what I did recognize is that I wasn't afraid. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if when it actually happens, if I will be frightened or not, but it was okay. It seemed like that part that I was gonna die wasn't frightening to me. So I hope that that is true, that, that uh, going through these experiences thinking about it ahead of time. I do believe that if you recognize that you will die at some point and maybe go through some of those emotions, it's okay to get mad about the fact that you're gonna die. It's okay. Um, But maybe get that over with now Uh, because if you're in your last weeks of life and all you have is anger, you can't get anywhere. There. So experience some of the anchor now, experience some of the loss now. That's the point of that exercise in my book. Um, and I guess you have to tell people to buy it to do it, yes. but it's okay. Um, uh, <laughs> the link the, will be in the
0: show notes for everyone. The link will be see. in the show
1: notes. Okay, okay.
0: So um, many people live their life afraid of dying.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's not a way to live, in my opinion.
1: It, it's it's common. It's, it's common, but... Um,
0: What would you say to them?
1: So I would ask what they're afraid of. Because, you know, in, in, it's interesting, when you when you talk with generally healthy people about that, it's, it's, it's a little more nebulous. It's they're afraid of the unknown, Mm -hmm. um, that not being in control. Uh, And that is one thing uh, that. Many of us in this—this uh, is this one thing I say about Americans in particular—is that we're the pioneer spirit, can-do people, and and there's that wonderful exceptionalism word that I detest. But anyway, that that we're in control and we can do anything. Yeah. Well, death is not something you can fix. This is outside our control, and I think that's that's one reason we're we're afraid of it. As people get closer to the ends of their lives, those fears change. The fears become more concrete. It's like, I'm afraid that I will be alone. I'm afraid that I will smell and nobody will wanna come and visit me. I'm afraid that nobody will listen to me. I'm afraid that I will hurt. I'm afraid that I haven't done well enough. And I'm afraid nobody will remember me. It's, it becomes more specific, specific fears. Um, So I think the most common reason people are afraid of death is because they haven't thought about it. It's just out there. And I I just can't think about it because, you know, that's, that's um, a, a mindset that we developed when we were about five years old kids that are between five, six, seven, eight, nine, that, that age, age, don't like to think about bad things because thinking about bad things or thinking about or talking about bad things means you're making them happen. And yes. there is that still in the back of our brains is, I can't think about that because it's dangerous. Um, and so suck it up and, and do it. Um, the way to to relieve the fear of dying is to encounter it just like you relieve the fear of anything else is to face your fears face what you're afraid of and you find out with dying you find out if you're not right there i can do this i can do this people have been doing it for millennia <laughs> um it, it ain't that hard
0: <laughs> well i guess that's the easy part isn't it
1: yeah, yeah yeah what would
0: you what would you say to someone who's being diagnosed with some terminal illness, and they're in the early stages or the middle stages, of still in that fear-based state.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, that I I I, uh, I would listen more than I would tell. I mean, I my career for most of my career was in oncology, and I dealt. Those were the, the folks I dealt. Those were my my patients, um, and the relationship I had with them was an honest one from day one. To get to know who they were as people, and um, uh, to listen to what they had had to had to say, um, and it, I, I think one of the 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 clues to that is to recognize that it's real. So, for for example and this probably isn't gonna get at what you, what you asked because you asked a very good question that I don't have a good answer to, but, but um, I, I made it a practice, and it turns out this, is a, this is, there's some data to show this is a good, a good practice, that when I saw a, a, a patient with cancer that I knew that, that at some point down the road that this cancer was gonna take their lives, mm-hmm. I used the die word, not on the first visit, because you can't, they're they're already blown out of the water because so many of the people that refer, were referred to my oncology practice had never heard the word cancer before applied right. to them. They'd heard tumor or malignancy or, you know, lumps or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but at some point, I you just put it in the conversation and you know, this is something you'll die of and you don't tend to get that much reaction right then. Because um, they're in shock? Maybe a little, maybe a little, but it comes back. And then they can process in the back of their brain, you know, when, when they're doing other things. And then we can talk about it as you go through it um, with each subsequent decision-making point. You know, it it informs that because you've heard it once. Um, I th- I think that that little bit of honesty um, is uh, uh, is 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 really is really good. There's actually was a study done in um, that looked at decisions that were being made by people with advanced lung cancers who were considering a second or third line treatment where the first ones had not had not worked. And it was shown that as the doc was talking with the patient and family about this, if they mentioned a little bit of negative information, it had a profound effect down the road. And that little bit of negative information might be, um, so in, in, in saying, um, so we have this, this treatment that it uh, has about a 15% chance of working. Versus we have this treatment. It has about a 15% chance of working, but most of the time it doesn't work. Yeah. That may not change what the patient does and decides right then, but it does change what happens later because it gives time for the processing to happen, to realize, Oh yeah, I, uh, that I, this, this didn't work for me. And now I kind of know what I'm up against. Um,
0: uh, very hard I can't even imagine delivering that message to someone how do you tell someone they're dying I mean obviously you do that all the time or you did do that all the time for so me it, yeah it's,
1: it's yes it's there's there I mean there is a technique of how you deliver bad mm-hmm. news it's a there is a learned procedure and that's that's true but part of it is just it, being comfortable I, I so so I am convinced the docs and uh other healthcare practitioners would do this better if they recognized that they they were dying themselves i think being comfortable with your own mortality allows you to be more empathetic yes. with the person that's there if i'm scared to death of my own dying it's hard for me to talk with you about that for what it's worth i didn't find this difficult once i kind of learned the learned myself and learned mm-hmm. the techniques and this kind of stuff People say, how can you do that? It sounds horrible. Yeah, that's probably true. But hell for me would be a, being a third grade teacher. I couldn't do that no matter no <laughs> we, matter yeah, what. We, we all you know, have our own calling. We all have our own things. I could, You do what you have the gifts to do. And I feel privileged that I, I think I had some of the gifts to do this. Um, and uh, it, it's it's been a privilege and a delight. Yeah.
0: Well, I think you're wonderful. And we need more people like you. Obviously when one goes to a hospice, they're going to die. Is there a profound change when someone accepts the fact that they are dying? Because often I can under, I would assume or I from my own experience of family members, they haven't accepted that for a long time in their journey of dying until the end.
1: So okay, yeah, so there's a, a couple couple things I would think about here. One is I'm going to uh, contradict one thing. Going onto hospice and whether and whether this is going to an inpatient hospice unit or uh, hospice care at home or whatever. So I personally reject the idea that hospice is about dying because hospice is about living that time of your life in the best it can be
0: lived. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. I'm sorry. Yes, erase that No, it's no last last problem. Time. Everybody says,
1: it's okay. <laughs> okay. It's okay. So it's just my little, my yeah, little yeah, yeah. check mark. Twist, go, yep. go back I love there. it. <laughs> go, go back there. So is everybody going on to hospice recognizing they're dying and at peace with it? No way. Um, some of them are angry as heck, but I'm doing this because my doctor told me I had to, or they told me there was nothing else they could do and that this was the best thing for me or um, uh, I'm really depressed about it. I mean, it's the old um, Elizabeth Kugler-Ross stages of, of dying. Uh, I probably won't get get right here, the denial, anger, uh, 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 bargaining, grief, acceptance, uh, kinds of things that people go through and they don't go through them in sequence. They go through them depending on the mood and depending sure. on on who's, who's there with them. I. I do think that one of the goals of good hospice care is for to allow people, sometimes with a little guidance, but mainly to allow people to get to that point of, I'm dying, I don't like it, but it's okay. Um, it's you know this is what's going to happen, and it's got to be okay because it's going to happen, and it's up to me to make it be okay. So. Yes, it, it is difficult. And, and um, in uh, in the, the U.S., uh, because the, the way hospice gets paid for, uh, at least under the, the Medicare, the national health uh, program mm-hmm. for uh, people over 65, um, is that in addition to going on the hospice benefit, you actually have to give up coverage for other parts of treatment for your disease and that if you haven't had conversations leading up to that then that's that's a horrible feeling what do you mean I can't come I'm not going to come to my oncologist's office any anymore what do you mean I'm not going to get any more treatment and now I was being treated 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 and now I'm dying all of a sudden it's falling off a cliff that's not okay um uh, that's the the reason that those Honest conversations need to happen earlier, um, so that it's not what well, what I unfortunately call the "oh shit" moment when it's, you know,
0: the what, "oh shit" moment. What, I love that.
1: Yeah. The what? What do I do? When I was um, during part of my career, I I was directed an inpatient palliative care service at a large hospital, and I finally realized that what my main job was there was what I called to give structure to the ore. Now, what I mean by that is, so should we continue keeping mom on the ventilator, now start dialysis, this or what? What does that or look like? And if there's no structure, no picture of what that or looks like, then how would you ever choose it? Um, and then immediately, people then start thinking the worst—that how awful it's going to be if we take mom off the ventilator, or we do this kind of things. Um, so we need to—that—that uh, that I'm convinced humans can make good decisions if they have honest, inf- honest and factual information, and uh, we, we can—we can handle it. We're—we're—we're we're, we're grownups. We can—we can do this. Um, Yeah. I, so, I you you mentioned that you tend to go off in tangents. You've noticed that I'm 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 real um, well, good at that. We're so making we'll a great we're making a other.
0: great team here. <laughs> okay. 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 But it is true, you know. Sometimes there's things that can't be avoided. Sometimes it's things that
1: can't be avoided. And this is and, kind and, of a different. Sometimes thing there's that's... surprises, and it is just not okay. And it's okay to it's it's okay for me to say. I get this. This is not okay. What you're going through really sucks. And I'm sorry that you're having to go through it. But my job is to help in any way I can to make it be less horrible for you.
0: Yeah. 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 Great way to put it. This probably segues me onto your experience in dying with literature and philosophy that I I think is very interesting. Obviously you're very knowledge. I'm going to call you the expert. Is there something you'd like to share with the passion harvest audience?
1: So I love, I, I love the emotion and the meaning that happens around dying. Um, I, I like the the um, so I'll do a couple things with this. The w- one thing that I have absolutely learned, that I guess is in the philosophy realm, is that the more I've learned about death and dying, the more of a mystery it is, and that, in my mind, is 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 wonderful. Um, we tend to think about dying as a legal medical thing. There was a person here that was alive and now they're dead in their corpse. So there's, this is legal and medical thing, but dying isn't really a legal or medical thing. Dying is a personal and spirit and spiritual thing. Um, um, And the, the, We don't really know what it means. It may mean nothing. It may mean um, it may be of immense value in the sense of the cosmos. Is a human dying any more important than pulling a weed in the garden? Um, I, I don't know. But I love those kind of questions. And I love that, that we tend to end up, as you explore those questions, you end up at paradoxes that are not solvable. But that's in my mind the, the what's what's wonderful about it. I, le- I heard a lecturer once say, dying is not a problem to be solved, it's a mystery to be experienced. And I I I love that. Um, yeah. Even though I tried to solve the problems, <laughs> of, type, course, you know, of course you did. Like, that's <laughs> that's my job. That's my job. And I'm a guy, and we solve problems. That's <laughs> what we do. I, I know that. But to sit and observe and be with is 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 um, is is what I really like. Um, the uh, I, I I find great meaning in. You know, it's, it's interesting. We say we are afraid of death and we want to deny death, but how many times in uh, literature or theater or movies or heaven's sakes, the Disney princesses, many of the Disney princesses are orphaned or lose parents during the course of the movie. We eat up death and dying all the time, but we don't like to th- think about it with regard to our, ourselves. Yeah. I love experiencing that. And, and for me, sometimes it's literature yeah. but, and, and good, good drama, but for me, it's opera. And I know that that's, that's a, a, niche, a niche market here, but because the opera stories may be kind of kitschy and, and, and artificial. But the emotion is there, you know, Mm -hmm. when when my wife and I were in um, Venice and watched La Boheme um, uh, and we had kind of lousy seats, I could only see half the stage. But at the end, we were both crying. Mm -hmm. And it was like this is this that experiencing that deep inside. That's that's the magic for me. That's that's why I love exploring this stuff, because there's there's wonder there
0: yeah yeah well thank you so much for sharing that and so do you mind holding up your book which is oh sure dying with ease or i'll call it dying 101
1: (laughs) well dying with ease Uh,
0: yeah
1: no it's it's okay um uh the the subtitle the compassionate guide for making wiser end-of-life decisions a lot of the, the the points we've been talking about are in there but uh probably uh, more cogently put together and, and, and written. Um, it's, it's uh, of course, available on all the all online sites. I will say for your international audience, some of the specifics are for United States mm-hmm. audience. Um, the description of the hospice program is the U.S. hospice program. Um, but the the death and dying stuff is universal
0: valuable information is there anything else before we go that you'd like to share with the passion harvest audience dr jeff
1: live with wonder i i that heals me so much when i stop and pay attention to what is going on around me that's wonderful um we're recording this so I'm I'm in the U.S. we're recording this the day after the presidential election and we don't know what's going on a lot of us are passionate about things and we're really angry or sad or happy but back away and look at the 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 moon and just be that sounds crap
0: No, it doesn't. It's a great (laughs) message. (laughs) Dr. Jeff, thank you. That was a beautiful message. And thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest and sharing all your insights and um, decades of experience on dying with the audience. I'm sure they're going to really appreciate your messages and um, all the information. Thank you so much.
1: It's been a delight, Louisa. Thank you for the invitation.
0: (laughs) Pleasure. Bye-bye.